0: Hey everyone, I'm Gracie. Welcome to the Grace of a Military Child podcast. The world should know how unique military children are. We may look like normal children on the outside, but we go through some pretty extraordinary circumstances that shape us to the leaders we are today. Keep listening to hear the incredible journey this week's guest has been on. Hi, Jacob. Welcome to the podcast. How are you?
1: Hi Gracie, I am doing good. It's Saturday morning here in Orlando, Florida. Can't complain.
0: Yes, exactly. Um so tell me a little bit about your service member and like their branch and what that is all about.
1: Yeah, so um my dad Dan Healy was a uh, uh Navy SEAL for um 15 years, or 13 years in the SEALs, 15 years in the Navy, and he was uh, killed in action June 28th of 2005 in Afghanistan during Operation Red Wings. He was uh, in a helicopter in a rescue attempt, or QRF, and his his helicopter was shot down by an RPG as they were coming in to, uh, to attempt the rescue.
0: Wow. So take me back to that day. What do you remember of that day? How old were you?
1: Yeah, so um you know, it's it's been so long. So I have it's like the vivid memories stay. Um you know, I remember my grandma scream. She, that that was the first thing. I was upstairs and I heard this like bloody murder scream. And I somehow made it down my stairwell in like two, two and a half leaps to go see what was wrong. And, uh, she just had a phone in her hand and she was like broken. And she looked up at me and she just said, your dad. And I was like, Oh, and you know, I, I let a nice cuss word out and I walked out of the room. Um, Which I like wasn't allowed to cuss, you know, or, you know, I didn't want to have like a a bad mouth. But, I you know, I dropped a dropped a bomb and walked out and um, sat down and I just like stared forward, kind of numb. And my uh, my sister, she walked out. She was like, you know, two and a half seconds behind me and she walked out and she looked at me. And like my world just kind of broke. Like um, when you have to tell somebody else where, you know, it's going to hurt them. It's, it's, it was the hardest thing. And it for many, many years, it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life was, and I didn't even tell her, I looked at her and she said, what was wrong? And um, I said, don't worry. Um, I said, uh, I said, like, my like the family's coming over soon. Don't worry. And she, um, you know, she, knowing something was wrong, went out actually into the backyard where I could see from where I was sitting, from where I was. And she started praying. She got down on her knees and she started praying. And she was just looking away, like out. We had this open valley in our backyard and she was looking into the open valley and praying. And I just watched her for like 15 minutes. And, um, that was just that was really hard, yeah, yeah,
0: I'm sure. And having to, you know, not necessarily completely break the news, but having to to see that having like her know what That's right what's going on, and um having to just just to watch that yeah. is hard enough. and then, you know, actually knowing that it might be hard for a little while.
1: Yeah. No, um, you know, there are there are people out there who know that feeling of carrying a hard truth or some type of knowledge burden and having to keep it to themselves. They know how hard that can be. And um, like I said, it was one of the hardest things that I have had to do in my life.
0: Yeah. And it's hard to keep that to kind of yourself knowing what's really going on and not being able to share that um, saying like what actually happened or, you know, having an idea of what fully happened.
1: Yep. And um, so, short, you know, shortly after that, um, it was a mix up um, the way we found out it shouldn't have happened over the phone. Typically there's mm-hmm. a knock, you know, and, um, the knock had gone to a previous listed address. And it was actually, it was in the family. Um, my aunt lived at that house. So she called cause she couldn't carry the burden. And they were yeah. like, don't call anybody. Like we're going over there right now to give them the knock. But she called my grandma. Um, she couldn't like keep that information. And so, um, so that's how I found out like that. But then they they arrived shortly after and it was just this huge mess. Of course, you know, um, family pours in from everywhere. Um, you know, it was it had been on the news for days already. And um, I I mean, like, I feel like so it was July. I think it was July 3rd or 4th and we had heard. So and it was June 28th. So, I mean, it, it had been airing on the news for for days and um but um you know i guess w- y- the biggest blessing which everybody you know the world kind of knows about is um you know we found we found out he died like days after it happened so by that time um they had discovered that there was probably a survivor that there was somebody missing and that for whatever reason gave us like this huge hope. Um, I think we all knew in our hearts that it wasn't our dad. Um, they said, you know, one of the Navy SEALs is alive, and pretty much everybody in the family knew it wasn't our dad. Um, because he would he wouldn't want to be the one that survived, and so um. You know, sure enough, we, we find out that uh, it was Marcus Luttrell. And to know that just one of my dad's teammates survived was, we we took a lot of solace in that. And to this day, we do.
0: Yeah. It's hard, you know, not knowing and, you know, watching it all play out and then not knowing and hearing that one of them is probably still alive and sitting there wondering, like, could it be, could it be? And, you know, pretty much knowing that it's probably not. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, You know, he was just, he raised us to be strong and um, on, on principles, like always try your best and never give up. And, um, you know, he, he he showed us how to be leaders, not, he didn't tell us how to be leaders. And uh, so when this moment just started to transpire, we, I mean, I immediately knew this is a man that my dad would want me to be right here. Like it, you know, It's like the whole don't cry thing. Um, I definitely cried, but um, I was prepared to fall into those shoes, like so many uh, surviving families and um, sons are. You see this all the time. Um, I was recently in a gala in Colorado for uh, Sir, an organization that supports surviving children, and there was this kid, and he. he was a hockey player, and he was only like ten or something, and he had a little brother, like two and a half years younger, and he had like a little sister, I think. and um just watching him, he did a little de- demonstration with this with this hockey, and the way that the way that he took care of his little brother, the way that he like wanted his brother to succeed and be strong, it was so just like obvious. it was so evident in the way he carried himself. And I knew immediately, because I've been through that, that he feels like the responsibility of becoming the new man of the house is his. He was was like 10 to 12 years old, but it's so common with these military families who lose their parent. They fall into those shoes and just so like it's instinctive like they just soak up that responsibility and they can't it's a burden and i think um it really in many ways it's it's such a blessing but at the same time it prolongs uh and almost like cuts off a certain um like maturity development it's very weird but i discovered in myself that my maturity sort of halted um at a certain age in in certain ways that i stopped developing i stopped growing up in certain ways from when i was 15 when it happened um in many other ways you know which my community and you know those around me have noticed that i've developed like way further i do a lot of like public speaking or fundraisers or advocacy, or, you know, I'm an ambassador for several organizations. I take a lot of risks. I travel, I, um, network, I have no problem networking. And so, and that happened immediately. Like I felt like I had a responsibility to fill a lot of those shoes immediately. So, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse, you know? Yeah. If, you, if that makes any sense at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it makes uh, complete sense. Um, when my dad was injured, um, it was just me and my sister living with friends for about a month. And, you know, I felt that responsibility to take care of her because not only was my dad um, in the hospital, but my mom was in Texas with him and we were in Ohio with friends. So it's like, you know, in these situations, you feel like you are obligated to step up. You have no other choice but to do it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I bet you held that responsibility. Well,
0: yeah. I'm sure you and did. still to this day, yeah. like, you know, um, we're very thankful that, you know, my dad is still here with us and, you know, we're all living together still. Um, but it's still, you know, I think any older child can say it's your responsibility to watch out for your younger children, no matter the situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, like on that, I feel like I didn't necessarily, I could have been such a better brother. I could have been such a a better big brother. I have four sisters and, um, in hindsight, I know I could have given them so much more and just been a better leader. But, um you know, I, I know that now. And so I, here I am, you know, over a decade later, um, trying to fill in those gaps, knowing what gaps I left behind. And so, yeah. Um, but kudos to you for, for being that.
0: Thank you. I think, um, and I mean, same to you, like, I couldn't imagine walking through those shoes and having to still take that responsibility and kind of, you know, lead your family along in such, such trying times that are, you really don't know what's next. And then, you know, still, you know, doing your best to keep going and to keep encouraging your family.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, It was that part, I guess, was easy because my, like I said, my dad, he, he raised us on these principles, right? Like these core values. And so, so it was always easy for me to be like, you know, what would dad have me do? How would he have me react? How would he have me act in this situation?
0: Yeah.
1: And I always had those core values to think about and fall on. So so that paved the road for me for so long, you know? Um, and I attribute a lot of that, a lot of the success I had or, uh, growth that I had, the experiences that I was able to have, I attribute it to him and the leadership that he left me with. It really pushed me. It, it, um, I challenged myself in his honor to be uncomfortable, to do new things. And, um, And so I, I, you know, he definitely left me with so much of that. I mean, you know, when I was in college, I was like, um, they had, they had offered a study abroad to go to Istanbul, Turkey. And, and I remember like, everybody was like, why would you go to Turkey? Like, it's dangerous over there. And I was like, um, I had known that my dad, um, trained uh and and kind of gone through istanbul and uh i was like i'm going i'm doing everything i can to go and i did and uh, it was a very very short or not short it was a very um small class size like nobody went um but it was amazing and there was not much to worry about there was a little to worry about but not much and it was totally worth it and um i 100 percent attribute. You know, my dad's life and sacrifice to pushing me to do that, to get way out of my comfort zone and go do that and carry that experience with me for the rest of my life. So, and and of course, that's, you know, that's happened uh, in a lot of different um, respects, but, but travel is a very, um, I don't know, it's just a very obvious one.
0: Yeah. And especially connecting kind of those pieces together of your dad training there. Mm -hmm. Um, then it's like, why would you kind of pass by that opportunity that you had?
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: What was it like growing up a military child? What kind of experiences do you have or what was it like?
1: Um, well, my, my, uh, my upbringing was definitely not typical um uh, I mean it's common in the seals, but my mom and dad were divorced like sometime between four to six years old when I was four to six and um actually to to go even further back, my mom met my dad when I was turning one, so he wasn't my blood birth father. He decided to um inherit me or take me on as his son. And actually I was six months old and, uh, they had my sister a year and a half later. So my sister is a year and a half younger than me. And then my mom and dad divorced. Um, and a lot of it was due to the immediate stress of the, the, of being an ABCO of, um, My dad was um, at SEAL Team 1 in San Diego, and the opportunity to go to Hawaii with uh, his platoon came up, and my dad took it. And my mom ultimately decided that she wasn't going, and I'm pretty sure they had had some challenges, but she decided um, she wasn't going, and then they divorced sometime after that. And, um, so from that point on, it was like, we got to see me and my sister and I got to see who I fully consider my dad. We got to see him like, you know, two weeks out of the year. And for the rest of our lives, some, I remember a few years where I saw my dad three days you know, and he would try to uh schedule trainings and layovers through San Diego so that he could just in between trainings, in between deployments, in between anything, he would try and run into San Diego, take us out to pizza, um, take us to Fun for All, go mini golfing, go hit some balls at the driving range, go bowling, and just um compacted that time. just did as much as we could in that time and then he was off again so we treasured the time that we had with him um and so that's very that's not typical um i'm sure you can relate because you um have the same value on time with with uh you know your dad you you knew he would be gone for long periods and so you knew that when he was home you had to like be on your best behavior and also just soak it in and respect it. So, and I'm sure um, you can relate and all military kids can relate to that. I just had this like extra barrier, you know, divorce and separation and distance that, that added a whole lot to that. So, you know, it was a little bit, a little bit hard, but um like I said, we just, we really, we treasured the time that we got with my dad. One of the, one of my favorite um, things that he would do, he would just have these big gestures, right? Like, cause he hated being away from us for so long. So he would show up with huge gestures. And one of our favorites was he would fill up sometimes two big black industrial garbage bags with chem lights, glow sticks, and give us like literally, a thousand chem lights <laughs> and we, you know, I feel guilt. I feel bad about it now, but we would like literally hustle them to the rest of the neighborhood kids. We'd sell them for like a dollar to $2 a piece. Cause they were like military grade, like these crazy chem lights. But, um, and we were the coolest kids on the block because we had them, but, uh, um, yeah. you know, that was one of his huge gestures whenever he came home, he would just show up in these big ways. So, Yeah.
0: Yeah and it's definitely an added pressure I guess to cherish those moments and to to take it all in because you know not only that you're a military family you're a military child but you also had divorce on top of it which made it even less time that you saw him and Um, then you had to even kind of step it up to make sure you remember those moments and remember those times that you actually had as a family together.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: What um, have you done kind of since, you know, your dad's passing to kind of honor him and remember him?
1: So, you know, I've done a lot and I've really put myself out there to figure out what works the best for me and one of the things that i enjoy the most which i'm still doing to this day is um pushing myself uh, mentally and physically to be a better man um and so i do that through like long distance things i have a, a swim coming up the tampa bay frogman swim in uh January, and it's a three-mile swim across the Tampa Bay. And uh, it's a Navy SEAL event, and I'm doing it in his honor. I'm swimming for him. And uh, I've always really enjoyed and loved things like that, pushing myself to be better physically and mentally in his honor because I feel like he would want nothing more. That's just who he was. He was like this athlete, you know, fit, strong. And so I can always um, sort of bet or hedge my bet that he would be proud of of those achievements. And then, you know, I've done a lot of other things, like I said before, public speaking um, to raise awareness and funds for other organizations. And um, um. a lot of just uh public public relations stuff talking to news channels while we're doing events or um commercials i did get to do a, a global campaign commercial with five hour energy where i got to you know highlight my dad and um, i even got to do a little documentary where i got to speak about him so those things are great. I've made videos about my dad that, you know, on YouTube have surpassed a couple hundred thousand views. And I've had people come up to me, like, you know, tell me that they saw that video, complete strangers. So that's, that's really, really cool. So the whole, you know, public legacy, my dad's legacy, developing that um, has been a big part. And then one thing that I really try to altruistically do is mentor other Gold Star kids, other kids who have lost their parent, uh, the military, and um, it has slowed down so much over the last two years because I've been getting busier and busier starting my company and working in um, video production and filmmaking. But um, I've been doing that for seven years here in Florida and elsewhere. Um, here in West Palm Beach with an op- uh, organization called Operation 300. And uh, I've mentored, you know, I've had the privilege and honor of mentoring hundreds of kids and watching them grow up over the last seven to eight years, which has been very humbling.
0: Yeah. And not only it's more special and more relatable because not only have you walked through it, but you're walking these, these other kids through it. of It's going to be okay. Like, I know it's hard now, but there, there is a future. There's a light at the end of the tunnel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I don't mean to sound morbid or anything like that, but, um, you know, um, kids are so resilient and I've only had one or two kids call me with, you know, feelings like that, where they're like, Hey, I'm having an awful, awful time. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: we had, you know, we had um, bring your dad in day for work, or we had a daddy daughter dance, or, you know, I've only had like two to three kids who have just called me over the last eight years um, with just, just feeling just torn. Um most of the time you hear from the moms and uh, the moms are like, Hey, it's a really hard year for him. And, you know, he's just having a tough, tough, tough time. And I mean, the questions that these kids ask their moms are the worst. They're like, how could you even think of this? Um, and uh, so every year we have the opportunity to mentor them and spend time with them. And I hope that it makes a difference. I really do. And I, I believe that it does. So I, you know, a lot of these kids, they come out, they come out good. Um, they come out smart and strong and, uh, resilient. And so I have faith that they're all going to be great. They're all going to turn out great.
0: Yeah. And I think that's really special to kind of you know get to mentor these kids and get to you know get to know them get to know you know the good times and the bad times and everything in between and to be there for them and to just take them along the journey and watch them grow and watch them you know struggle and then find that you know it all turns out it's it all turns out and then you know kind of being able to look back on that and see you know every step of the way.
1: Yep, hundred percent. Yeah.
0: So, what are you doing with video production, and how did that start? And where are you looking to go with it?
1: Um. Thanks for asking. Yeah. So, video production has always been a passion of mine since middle school. I've been making videos whenever I could sort of get my hands on the camera, and I received my first commission to uh, tell us a story, to produce a short documentary, a five-minute short documentary for Angels of America's Fallen seven, I think seven years ago. And that was my my first big opportunity and uh, really sort of helped me catapult into the field. It gave me a portfolio piece and, that I could share with people and help me Um, get hired with a digital marketing agency. Uh, I worked there as a videographer for for two years um, from uh, 2019 through the end of 2020. And uh, got a lot of amazing experience, really built my portfolio and decided uh, a couple of months ago that I wanted to start my company and really run it by myself to give myself more time to do projects that I want and, um, you know, that's already, it's already happened in just literally the last two months. I have, um, I went up to Pittsburgh to produce a, uh, short documentary for a, an organization called Legacies Live and, um, you know, got to interview Gold Star family members and travel, you know, which I love. And, uh, so yeah, I'm already doing more of what I love with my own company, but, I I mostly, you know, it's half and half. I have clients that I can produce content for, whether it's like a highlight commercial or a testimonial or a product shot. You know, I, I do those. That's half the business that sustains everything and pays the bills. And then the other half is the stuff that I love. You know, it's the gold star stories, the military stories, Stories with heart, Um, a lot of my dad's friends who suffered invisible wounds, uh, traumatic brain injury, um, you name it. And now they're, you know, maybe thriving or surviving or struggling today, um, giving them a little bit of a spotlight and telling stories around them. That's, I think that's where I really want to take it next. I want to give a spotlight to this uh to the uh the lasting effects of of war on our military and and show that these guys are great guys, they're amazing guys, they've done amazing things, they've helped people in amazing ways and they are left behind. You know, that's really what I would love to do over the next um two to three years is build up that that platform and share that with the world so and then after that who knows um maybe bigger documentaries maybe maybe movies I do like film competitions locally so I stay sort of I keep my head sharp I I just finished a film competition here um on immigration and um so, yeah, I try to stay sharp, try to stay connected in the community and doing cool things. But, you know, the military very much informs a lot of where I where I go and what I do.
0: Yeah. And I think getting that awareness out of, you know, the invisible wounds, the the wounds that, you know, are secondhand from, you know, service member trickles down the line to the family and uh, just showcasing just the military in general is so important because you know you see all of these amazing things you see um you see that we get to travel that we get to you know do all these events but then you don't freely see everything that happens behind the scenes of the struggles, the hardship, the the trauma that you know a lot of our service members face, and then a lot of these families are facing. Um, and then, I mean, you see the hard things that happen on the news. You see um, these events that take place, and then it's uh, it kind of hits a reality of our military struggles too.
1: Yeah, and to your point, you do see them on the news, and then they're forgotten about. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I mean, truly, they're forgotten about. You see, you know, the poor families um, more more recently that the the, uh, the bombing on the airport in uh, Kabul, and mm-hmm. you see their. Photos circulate for 48 hours, and that's it. Never again. You don't see. um, You don't get to watch the family around this time burying their kid. You don't get to watch um, uh, any of the wounded in the hospital suffering with their families by their bedside. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And you don't get to watch them go home and uh, deal with losing fellow Americans or deal with having to go spend time with those families who lost somebody. Um, and that's just the month after it happens, you know, it goes on forever and, and, uh, the public doesn't have to carry that burden. So it's up to it's up to people, you know, it's up to the people like you and I with the story to share it and to keep it alive and to remind people that, you know, we're still here, like, you know, and I'm not asking for a sympathy card in the slightest. Um, You know, it's almost like, it's almost like um, it's just a reminder This is what happens when you go to war. This is what happens. um, This is what happens when, you know, um, too much bureaucracy gets, gets into war. Too much politics gets into war. A lot of special operators, um, and infantry had so many problems and issues with like rules of engagement and and feel like rules of engagement was crippling them and so in a lot of cases um a lot of americans died because they couldn't they they were following rules of engagement and so you know where i feel like we are so many of us are uh reminders that this is this is what happens you know this is how we lose our loved ones and and uh Tread lightly going forward. Appreciate more going forward. And uh, remember, of course, just remember the sacrifice.
0: Yeah. I think that's so important of just honoring these families and honoring these service members and carrying their legacy. And, you know, even though we don't have, you know, maybe even the slightest bit of relation to them, it's still important that we remember that we share you know their stories their journeys their legacies they've been on um thousands have died at war thousands have been injured and thousands have came home with these invi- invisible wounds so it's important that you know as military kids and as you know Americans that we just share these stories and share their legacy
1: yeah and thank you Thank you for the spotlight and the work, you know, behind the scenes to, to shine the spotlight. It's, um, it's incredibly important work. And, um, you know, I know it's unsung. I know that, um, you don't feel maybe as appreciated or, you know, the gratification that you deserve. So thank you. I just want to thank you personally for doing this.
0: Well, thank you. It's like my, it's uh, honestly my honor to just be able to share these stories of, um, you know, the good times, the bad times, everything in between. Um, These children don't get the recognition that, you know, sometimes we deserve and um, some people strive for. And it is important that. You know, the military children are seen too. Um, The service members are always like the first person seen, the first person thought of. And I don't want to discredit our service members by any means because they are willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice and serve our country. Um, But there's a family behind them. um, And, you know, the spouses deserve the, deserve everything um for walking beside the service members. And then the children are, you know, barely even recognized. They're like, oh, you get to travel, you get to, you know, do all these things, but it's like, you're not there for the goodbyes. You're not there for the the hard times. The I spent a week crying on the couch when my dad deployed. You're you don't see that. Um, You don't see those struggles that we go through.
1: Um, yeah, nobody
0: and, sees the experiences,
1: and I would you know, I would add that, um probably one of the most considerations is the kids do not sign up for it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: the um, you're right, the spouse deserves all the credit because they support them in that mm-hmm. endeavor. And that is like truly the hardest thing. Um, but I think that, and i I can't pinpoint what it is but I do believe that um, the kids deserve something special. They just, they just deserve something special because they didn't sign up for it. And of course, um, you know, military kids, they, they, um, you know, they're more resilient. They, they get these um, just skills and how they conduct themselves. Um, is just so different from the rest of their generation. And so, you know, that's something that they get that's special. They're more resilient. They're um, maybe more, more uh, socially like versed or less socially awkward. They um, understand the notion of sacrifice and service with which no kids, you know, very few kids understand at an mm-hmm. early age. So, yes, those things are special. But I really do. Uh, believe and just wish that that kids would would get a little bit like you're saying more recognition or just some type of just something special. You know, um like you know people try to do stuff with like college scholarships, right? Or mm-hmm. technical institute scholarships for military children because they know what kid what what they go through. Um but I still just would love to see kid military kids appreciate it just a little bit more because of, uh, because they didn't sign up for it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we didn't make the decision to be born into a military family or a family that was destined to serve our country. We were born into, you know, the family that we got and it's not a life that, um, I would have chosen if I got to pick like go to a military family, go to a regular family, I would have not picked a military family. I can tell you that, but I am so thankful, you know, and blessed to have my military family because yeah, I have my mom, my dad, and my sister, and you know, they are my life, but you know, I have this community between um, other military kids, other uh, spouses, other service members that When a service member says, these are my brothers and sisters, it truly is your brother and sister. Like these people are my family and um, through everything, like these kids are like my my family. They're like my blood and you are so right. They deserve so much more than they get. Um, The military instills these values into them when, you know, you don't even recognize it. Because the service member, you know, gets all these values and then the kids get it and then, you know, their kids get it. And they deserve so much more because they sacrifice so much for our country that we don't even realize and we don't recognize.
1: Well well said. I I don't have anything to add.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, What is a piece of advice that you would give to another military kid?
1: Oh, Um, make the most of it, make Mm -hmm. the most of it. Um, it's always easy to, to look at the cup half full, but, um, I would just encourage all, all military kids to make the most of it. What does that mean? What, you know, what are the amenities? What are the benefits that you have access to? that other kids don't sometimes we take those for granted and we don't know um, that they're only there for us and uh so make the most of those and the experiences and the time with your your mom or your dad in the service make the most of the time with them support them of course encourage them be a better you know be a better son or daughter for them because uh, a lot of military jobs are not fun and they're doing it to support you and uh, yeah just make the most of it um, because you know as the bible says this too shall pass and um, it's not going to last forever and one day you will look back and wish you had made more of it that is certain and and i definitely wish i had made uh even more time uh special with my dad but also my time as you know a military child when i was younger made made more out of it so that would be my advice
0: yeah I think that's so special and just to take every moment and live in the moment, not in the past, not in the future, just live in the moment.
1: Amen. That's right.
0: Is there anything you would like to add or anything you'd like to share that I didn't ask you about?
1: No, I would like to congratulate you on your podcast and thank you for all the work that goes into it. And thank you for sharing me with your audience, Gracie.
0: Yes. Well, thank you so much, Jacob. And thank you for being on and sharing your story. And best of luck to you. And thank you for, you know, just honoring not only your dad, but, you know, working to honor these other families as well. Absolutely. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Grace of a Military Child podcast. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to follow, like, share, subscribe, review, and comment. You can also follow us at Grace of a Military Child podcast on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more podcast-related content. If you or someone you know is a military child who would like to be on the podcast, please send us a message to one of our social media platforms Or you can send an email to grace.of.a.military.child at gmail.com. Tune in next Thursday to hear another incredible journey.